0: chapter 1. It's been a little bit different this evening. Uh, I'm going to read you a verse of scripture out of 2 Timothy, then I'll join you there in 2 Peter chapter 1, all right? Uh, 2 Timothy 2.15, here's what your Bible said. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Now, uh, I really tonight wanted to get into prophecy. I told you Wednesday we looked at Daniel 70 weeks and uh, several, several of you had some questions. Not uh, well, questions were the right thing, but I had some things you wanted to look at, some things you wanted to, uh, uh, before we got done, some things you wanted to look at and study together, and I really want to get into some of that tonight. Um, but I also feel like I don't mean to, uh, I don't mean to single them out. I don't mean this negatively at all. Uh, but I am sympathetic. I, I looked Wednesday night back here at Angel a few times, and uh, I can tell it was just a little bit much. I mean, it was just a little bit hard to grasp. But I don't mean that to single her been saved just a few weeks. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't understood Daniel seventy weeks either. And uh, so I want to kind of slow down a little bit before we get into prophecy too much. Uh, I want to look at some things that's going to help us as we study prophecy. All right. Uh, now, to be a little bit of review to some of you, some of you heard me preach some of this before, uh, or really more teach what I'm doing tonight. Uh, but just some things that I think Will help us, and then we'll look a little bit at prophecy if you let me, okay? Just a little. Just it'll be uh, so, well, it might not be so much prophetic to us. We're going to look at a prophecy uh, that's already been fulfilled before we get done tonight. If the Lord will help us. Uh, but that being said, if we're going to study prophecy, the problem arises is this. You get a book, you get five different books concerning uh, the end times, concerning the rapture, concerning the second coming of the Lord, whatever the case may be. Uh, typically if you get five books, you'll have four different people's opinions, really. It's four different things different people will say. So if we're going to study it, just like any other portion of scripture, we must do it with second Timothy two fifteen in mind. Study show thyself approved, a workman unto God that needeth not to be ashamed. Rightly dividing the word of truth, we want to rightly divide it. We want to see what God is saying, uh, even though it's prophecy. If, if you're not careful, uh, we take prophecy and make it so. What's the word I'm looking for? We we'll make it so mystical that we try to read things into it that's not there sometimes. So we want to rightly divide it. We want to look at it uh, literally, just like we do anything else. So uh, there in First Peter or Second Peter, chapter one. Uh, look, let me, if you would, I think it's verse 20 where i want to begin. Uh, well, let's, uh, yeah, let's start with verse 20. Knowing this first, Peter said, this is the first thing he says we need to know. Knowing this first, no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. So that's important. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God, spake as they were moved, by the Holy Ghost. Now that's important. So he has several things there. Uh, the first thing he said in verse 20, knowing this verse that no prophecy of the scriptures of any private interpretation. Now I understand that this is talking about Jessica. Uh, it's talking about the word of God as a whole. We'll, you say the context you'll see that. But he is talking about the prophets and the prophets, he had prophesied. I mean, they did have, that is where we get our prophecy from. And he said that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. Now that means two things. First of all, John, what he means is, really doesn't matter what I think or what you think. All right. that right? Yeah. verse 21. Uh, the holy men of God uh, spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. What matters is what God said. Doesn't matter. No private interpretation. Doesn't matter what I think or what you think. Secondly, what he means by no private interpretation and what I believe the literal context of the Scripture means things is, you cannot take one prophecy and interpret it, or uh, interpret's the right word, but let me explain that. Uh, understand it or um, uh, apply it without looking at all the prophecy. I mean, you can't take you can't single one out by itself. Let me give you an example. Well. I know I'm going to give you an example. I'll give you a big example here in a minute, but we'll, we'll talk about it more. But what I mean by that, think about prophecy as uh, anybody put jigsaw puzzles together. Anybody do that? Wendy does, all right? And, and uh, uh, Lydia, my mind's going blank. Uh, Lydia does, all right? Lydia, you don't take, open that box and reach in there and pull one little piece out and say, Oh, I know exactly. he might wear to two pieces, but uh, very few of you are going to say, "I know exactly where that goes and put it on that board." Yeah. All right. right. You're going to take and look at them as a whole, and you're going to start saying, "This looks like it goes with this, and these colors they seem awful similar. I bet that goes here, right. right? And this pattern, it's in this one and this one, so they must go together. And you start grouping them and uh, organizing them and uh, studying them, if you would, and making groups. Happen. Then there'll be a few that you know this goes, you'll know them corner pieces. You can look at that until it goes in the corner. And Before long, you start piece, piecing a puzzle together. And then eventually, you put that puzzle together uh, by taking all of them into consideration and then putting them in their proper place. And that's what prophecy is. Yeah. You can't just take one little piece of prophecy and try to interpret it by itself because, Kirk, it has to fit in with the rest of the puzzle. Right. They're right? Yeah. You can't just take this. That's uh, where misinterpretation comes from. That's where false doctrine comes from. Right. Uh, that There's so much false doctrine when it comes to the entire prophecy because they take one little piece and try to interpret what they think that means uh, and they don't view the entire uh, the entire timeline as a whole. Uh, for example, let me say this. Daniel, 70 weeks. I told you, Wednesday night, most detailed timeline you'll find in your Bible. I believe that. But that's just for the Jews. <laughs> right? Yeah. That tells, it's nothing about the church age. Nothing about the Gentiles. Right? That's just for the Jews. And John, it's still, when you think about all the years that's transpired, not very detailed you got to look at the entire timeline as a whole and then place where it fits together. Yeah. So, no process in private interpretation. Now, with that being said, there is some things, you'll know, remember several, probably a dozen years ago now, we looked at uh, how to study your Bible or uh, the technical term I give you was biblical hermeneutics. Well, this is some principles that's in that, uh, but it helps you when it comes to prophecy. I want to give you a few things about the laws of mention if you can study the Bible and one in particular will be key to studying prophecy so number one let me say this the first thing I want to say is the law of first mention now you say preacher, what does that mean now it's the principle here's what it means I'll put it to you simply it means that the first time you find something Chris mentioned in scripture there'll be some significance some meaning behind it that will carry its weight all the way through Scripture. If you study Bible, you'll find that to be true. The first times, oftentimes, uh, Nancy, if I come across, when some of you remember we did the tabernacle, and we was doing the uh, coverings, and I got drawn to that goat's hair covering. And I'll be honest with you, it stuck me. I could not figure out uh, what in the world, I couldn't figure it out. So what I did was, went to the first meeting, yeah. Right, and when you go to the first mention, oh, you find out uh, it gives some insight. Fact, if I'm not mistaken, you're looking at me like you're curious. If I'm not mistaken. The first mention of goat's hair uh, was there in the book of Genesis when Jacob was tricking Isaac, and he got and he, he was going pretend. But he saw and he took goat's hair and covered himself. It was a it was his attempt to cover who he was. And yeah. uh, when you see that. Uh, oh my, it begins to pick up. and You realize that it had to be a cover. And then uh, you go to the next mission and you find out that uh, the scapegoat, oh my, God, you find out that it carried away the sins of the people. And so you begin to piece these things together. I don't have time to get into all that. But the law first mission means the first time you see something mentioned in Scripture, uh, it'll carry that idea with it throughout. Um, in fact, if the truth with which that subject stands Uh, connected with in the mind of God. In other words, the first time a thing is mentioned in Scripture, it carries with it the meaning that will be carried all throughout the Word of God. Let me show you a few quickly. The first mention of the Spirit of God. You don't have to turn, we'll move quickly. Genesis 1, 2, and 3. Uh, The Bible said the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. First mention, Genesis 1, 2, Uh, The first mission of the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God moved upon the face of the water. Verse 3, God said, let there be light, and there was light. Now you say, preacher, what's that have to do with anything? Can I say those those, those truths uh, uh, that we find in Genesis 1-2, second verse of your Bible, you'll you'll find carried out all through Scripture concern in the Spirit of God. Now, I'm not saying that's all you'll find out about it, I? Uh, but you'll find those truths connected all through Scripture. You say, Preacher, what do you mean? Watch what your Bible said. And the Spirit of God what? Moved. Never stand still. Alright? Moved. Well, it means, I shouldn't say never stand still, that word moved, it literally means to hover, to brood over, like a mother does like a like a hen does her chicks. That's what that word move means. But oh well, my isn't that the truth? That it moves, it broods, it covers, if you will. Uh, then not only that, what's what's the environment in which it worked? Well, I like that. Watch this, the Bible said, And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Watch this. And God said, that's the word of God, right? God said, let there be light. And there was light. He moved over the darkness of the earth and brought forth light. We know that today he's still doing the same thing. Yeah. Now you say, preacher, he's not moving over the earth. The earth, the sun and today. Uh, you, you know he didn't move over the darkness of the earth. The earth is with form. It's not void anymore. Oh my, it's not the earth. But today... Uh, he moves over a sinner's heart that's full of darkness and uh, uh, without form and void and uh, darkness upon the face of the deep. And he hovers all about, or you get that he hovers or oh, he broods over that sinner and moves in their heart uh, and uses the word of God and illuminates the darkness of their life and uh, points them to the truth of God's word. Uh, and you'll find that all through Scripture in association with the Spirit of God, right. law first mentioned. What about the first mention, not only the Spirit of God, but the first mention of Satan? Turn with me, if you would, let's read it together, Genesis 3. Genesis 3, verse number 1. I'll read you several verses uh, tonight. Keep your Bibles handy. Uh, I've got to move quick. I can't say much. Genesis 3, 1, now the serpent. Now, you Bible students know that's talking about Satan. Satan had presented himself as a serpent. That makes sense. Hey, uh, is no, can I give you something interesting? Uh, well, I'm not going to. I don't. I will talk about it later. Now, the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field. First thing we find out about. Very first thing you find out about him, he's subtle. Yeah. All right. More subtle than any beast of the field. Boy, can't you say that's true tonight? He's subtle. Uh, hit, we've said millions of times from pulpits and uh, from wherever case might be. We've said that. Uh, he never shows you the backyard of sin. He always shows you the front yard, and uh, it's a white picket fence and a beautiful house and pretty ladies and uh, fancy cars. But he never shows you the graveyard. Uh, uh, there's a way on the backside. He's subtle. He, he, he's cunning, if you would, isn't that right? And yeah. uh, so we see that's the very first mention. We find that to be true all through Scripture. I said said before the beasts of the field, which the Lord God made. He said, "Oh my, that's the truth right there." Which the Lord God had made. Right. He is a created being, by the way. Is yeah. that right? right. Now, you don't act like this, getting you too excited, but let me say this. The created being will never be more powerful than the Creator. Isn't that right? right. Yep, I, I Which the Lord God created. I was the Lord God made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God seed that ye shall not eat of every tree of the God. Now we see these more subtle than him beasts of the field. First thing we find him doing, Earl. Is questioning the word of God. Alright? Now let me just fast forward because I don't have much time. Fast forward to the New Testament. Jesus fasted forty days, forty nights, and afterwards hungry. While he was doing that in the wilderness, he was tempted of Satan, and guess what he did? He questioned the Word of God. Isn't that right, Hey? Taken. What's he do to you and I tonight? You go to a Bible bookstore. Thank God for Gullions. I, I mean, I tell you, we ought to. Uh, uh, well, I, I, I don't mind saying this: uh, uh, you ought to be willing to drive to King or for to go to Gullions and support a store that's made a stand that they're only going to sell. Uh, the King James Bible. I thank God for them. I appreciate yeah. that. and uh, I will do my best to back them. I do. Uh, uh, but you go to any other store and you'll find out quickly uh, that's what he's doing today, questioning uh, uh, the word of God. Does he really mean the answer uh, uh, They've got a Bible for everything. They've got a... I asked them They make tell me they have a... Uh, a gender-neutral Bible now. They have a, a Bible for the transgender. They have a Bible for uh, this and God help us. Uh, and if you ask them what they'll say, you how see outside. Uh, do you really think that's what God meant? Uh, oh, my, yes, sir, yes, ma'am, I do. Uh, I think that's what he said. Uh, my daddy used to help me say what you mean and mean what you say. Uh, I believe that's what the Lord done. I believe he said what he meant. Uh, I had meant what he said. Can I go so far as say the inside? I believe he still means it today. Don't yeah. you? Right. Uh, but he questioned the word of God. Yea, have God seen is that Right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, let me tell you something. Satan knew what God said just as he did, Isn't that right? Yeah. But he began to put doubt in her mind. He didn't come in and say, listen, what you want to do, I know God said not to do it. What you want to do is go over and eat that. That's not what he said. He said, did God really say not to eat of the fruit? Right. He didn't say just come on over and he didn't die. He began to put question in her mind. So we see his tactics. Now watch this, I gotta hurry. Quickly, quickly, I gotta hurry so bad. Um uh, ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said you shall not eat it, neither shall you touch it lest you die. And I don't have time to deal with it. That's not what he said. Yeah, that's right. Not what he's saying. Satan so put some doubt in her mind. Now, Eve doesn't know what the Word of God either, and she's misquoting Yeah, Is that right? He didn't say not to touch it. He said, Don't eat it. Right. Is that right? That's right? Now, watch this. Lest you die. The serpent said to the woman, You shall not surely die. Well, am I sick? I just realized she doesn't know her Bible either. And he said, uh, You won't die. You'll not die if you eat of it. Uh, verse 5 For God doesn't know that in the day that you eat thereof. Uh, then your eyes shall be open, ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw the tree was good for food, and then it was blessed the eyes, the tree would had to make one more she took the fruit thereof, did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. Now that's the first mention of Satan in your Bible. That's the first time you see it. We've seen his uh, uh, we've seen his temperament. He's more subtle than any beast of the field. We've seen his tactic, he questions the word of God. Uh, now look with me if you would at his toolbox. Notice what he used. How uh, the Bible said in verse number four. And the serpent said to the woman, you shall not surely die, for God doth know that in the day that you eat thereof and your eyes shall be open, ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. You know what that is? Pride of life. Yeah. Is yeah, that right? Yeah. He said, You're not going to die. You'll be like God if, if the reason you don't want it, the God doesn't want you to eat it, he doesn't want you to be like him. You'll be like him if you were to eat of it. You'll know good and evil. Uh, uh, and Eve really saw that and heard that. Uh, and she thought, boy, my life would be better. I could be like God. That right? that, that's the pride of life. Then notice what he did in verse number six. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that's the lust of the flesh. Yeah. Right? That's the lust of the eyes. She saw that it was good for food. I'm sorry. And that it was pleasant to the eyes. That's the lust of the eyes. And a tree to be desired to make one wise. That's the pride of life. She took the fruit there up, did eat, and gave also to her husband with her. He did eat. So his toolbox, can I tell you this, he did the exact same thing to Christ in the Gospels uh, and he does the exact same thing to you and I and eye, tonight, isn't that right? Uh, yeah. So what we see in the first mention uh, carries all through scripture uh, and will always see the man of son, he attacks the word of God, that's his desire and he uses the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes and pride of life. That's his toolbox, you'll find that all through scripture. First mention of worship, Genesis 22, we've looked at it several times. Uh, Abraham says I am glad to go yonder and worship come again unto you that's the first mention in your Bible the word worship uh, and there's some things about it Genesis 22 that's true all throughout scripture uh, let me say this worship involves obedience isn't that right the first thing Abraham did God said go to a place I tell you I there there offer your son and the Bible said Abraham rose up early in the morning isn't that right uh, he was obedient to what God said you'll never worship tonight be it disobedient to the word of God amen that right? Oh my god don't die. On me. It involves obedience. It involves sacrifice. Worship will always cost you something. Isn't that right? Uh, it's a sacrifice Abraham was willing to give of his only son. It, uh, let me say this: it involves preparation. Is that right? Abraham got up early in the morning. Bible, we read it this morning. He sat at his ass, and uh, uh, took the fire, took the knife, and took the wood. Uh, was prepared uh, uh, to worship. Can I say this? Uh, It bothers me. These people say, uh, uh, just come in and just decide you're going to worship. You better decide before you get here. Uh, It takes preparation. Isn't that right? Uh, It takes some time getting things ready and setting things in order. Oh, my, you'll have to get things in order in your heart and life uh, if you're ever truly going to worship. Isn't that right? Involves obedience, involves sacrifice, involves preparation. And I want to say this. Uh, I've heard, I, I know I'm giving you a lot. It takes faith. Is that right? right. Listen to me. You know what true worship is tonight? It is not Abraham said. Now He believed all his heart, Jessica. He was taking Isaac up to the top of that mountain for all he knew. Uh, he was going to kill him on top of the mountain. Isn't that right? Yeah. Uh, Abraham said, I'm glad to go out and worship. We will come again to you. He operated in faith. All right. He didn't worship. He didn't say, Let me worship after he'd seen the ram caught the horn by by the horns of the thicket. Long before that happened earlier, he said, I'm glad to go down and worship Had come again to you. He operated in faith. And, uh, yes. Oh my I right. feel it bogging out there just a little bit. Uh, uh, somebody may be sitting here and you say, Lord, uh, if you'd help me with this situation, if you'd help me with this problem, uh, if you'd get me through this, I'd worship you. That's not true worship tonight. True worship, say, Lord, I'm going to thank you even though you hadn't done it yet. I'm going to praise you even though it's not yet been done. Even though it seems bleak and dark right now. I'm just going to worship you anyhow. That's true worship tonight. It takes faith, isn't that right? You'll find those principles all throughout Scripture when it comes to worship. Well, the first mission. What about the, the first mission of belief or faith? Genesis 15. Uh, flip over if you will with me. Genesis 15. Genesis 15. Boy, I like this one. If you let me get this, I'll get to the good part. All right, I'll get to the part I want to get to. Genesis 15 and verse number one. The Bible said, Behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir. I'm talking about Eliezer But he that shall come forth out of thine own bow shall be thine heir. And he brought him forth abroad, Said, look now toward heaven to tell the stars that thou be able to number them. He said to him, so shall thy seed be. That's pretty, pretty uh, bold language the Lord's using there, isn't it? Yeah. Talking to Abraham. Abraham told him in verse 2 Abraham said, Lord God, what will thou give me, seeing I go childless, and the steward of my house is this Eliezer of Damascus. And Abraham said, Behold to me, thou hast given no seed, and lo, one born in my house is my neighbor. Abraham said, I don't have no children. How are you going to make me a great nation? How are you going to do all these things you say? I don't have any children. You study your Bible. Uh, the Bible said Abraham and Sarah both were uh, old and well-stricken in years before God uh, gave them Isaac. I mean, Abraham said, what are you gonna do? I don't understand. The Bible said, in verse 4. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This shall not be thine heir, but he that shall come out for thy thine own mouth shall be thine heir. Verse number six. Let's read verse five again. He brought it forth and brought and said, Look now what Lord heaven the stars that be able to number them. He said to him, So shall thy seed be. What about that? Here Abraham is, he said, Lord, I don't even have no child. You see how old I am, you see how old Sarah is. How the time of marriage won't pass for Sarah what in the world are you going to do? Uh, only oh, person I've got to inherit anything's things he's and he's not mad. He's just a servant from Damascus. Uh, what am I supposed to do? How are you going to do this? Uh, and the Lord said, I want you to look up toward heaven uh, and tell the stars, if you can see that number, uh, I'm going to give you a sign, and your heirs, your seed, will uh, be more than the stars of the sky. What the Bible said in verse 6? Mm-hmm. Abraham believed God. It's him for righteousness. Mm-hmm. First mission, Lord believe. Belief or faith in your Bible. You said, Richard, what's so good about that? What's what your Bible said in verse 4? Now, the word of the Lord came unto him. Always, faith always accompanied by the word of God. Yeah. Is that right? right? Those two go hand in hand together. Faith, The principle you find about faith, belief, and scripture, from the first mention that belief, imagine Abraham believed God. He believed the word of God is us. You'll find that all over. Yeah, John. right. Now, what's this? You said, but I don't know about that. You said, "Faith is always accompanied by the word of God." Now, then, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Isn't that right? The word of God's what awakens your faith. Oh my, I got to hurry. The principle is this. I'll get get over to the next point. Principle is this. It's not our works. We'll read about that in Ephesians 2. Not not by works. By grace through faith. Not of works that any man should boast. Isn't that right? Mm -hmm. It is the gift of God. One writer said, you don't have to believe it. I understand what he said. One writer said the way that's phrased Earl, he said, I wonder, he said, I think it is the gift of God to give man salvation. He said, but I think what he's really saying, not of works, it is the gift of God. He said, you don't have to work to earn more faith. God gave it. Yeah. And awoken it by the Word of God. Isn't that right? Now, the principle is this that righteousness is always counted to man by belief, faith in the Word of God. That's what happens when a sinner gets saved. Now you and I, I I know in our minds we want to look at progression, and there is a progression, but that's not salvation, that's sanctification, that's separation. Salvation becoming righteous happens immediately when a sinner repents uh, and trusts God in faith, uh, believing the Word of God. Immediately, their counted is righteous. Right. Is not that right? Yeah. And that comes from faith in the Word of God. Oh my, I never tire. I can We talk about Abraham having no children. I never tire away of seeing sinners come to the Lord and they're mad, and they know they're weak and mild and wretched, and, hard uh, to be in hell. I see their eyes as they, flick, as they, stand, they look at me. I've had them over the years look at me wrong and say, do you really think he can save me? Uh, oh, well, that's what Abraham would say. How are you going to do this, Lord? Uh, I don't have anything to offer. I don't have any children. Uh, how are you going to do this? The well, Lord said, Abraham, you look up at the sky and number the stars. That's what you are seeing be me. Uh, and the Bible said, Abraham, just believe God. Yeah. What a sinner does. Just takes him in his word and he'll save And immediately counting them in righteousness. Sit there right. Just like Abraham first mentioned. Law of first mentioned. you to no this. I gotta hurry What time. Is it? Lord help, I don't have time to get this done. The law of further mention. That's where we're gonna get as far as prophecy. Uh let me say this quickly so, so I take my time a little bit. Thirdly, I'm gonna give you my points out of order. Number one, law first mentioned. Number two, law of further mention. Number three, law of full mention. That's places in scripture. I'll give you some examples later on. If I don't get to it, I'll show you my notes if you want to take them down. That's places in scripture such as 1 Corinthians 15, that whole chapter, the resurrection chapter. It's where God gives all of his mind concerning one topic. He gives us everything he wants us to know about the resurrection in 1 Corinthians 15. Now, we find it in other places. But God collects all that in the one chapter, and it's one portion of Scripture where God tells all of His mind concerning that one thing, law of full means. For example, uh, 1 Corinthians 15, that deals with the resurrection. Hebrews chapter 11 deals with faith. God pulls all these examples, trials and trials of faith puts them in Hebrews 11. tells us everything we, that's a faith chapter, law of full means, where it all comes together. But I'm interested in this all of further mention. So uh, here's what the law of further mention means. It means that God would make the revelation of any given truth increasingly clear as the word of God proceeds. What I mean by that is this. What do we look at first? The spirit of God. Okay, we saw a few things that the spirit of God carries within every mention through scripture. But as we study scripture, we find out more about the Spirit of God. He doesn't lose those characteristics, but as we study, we find out more and more. Oh my, Jesus said he was a comforter. Is that right? Oh, the Bible said he was a helper. The Bible said we're sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise. We find out he can be quenched. We find out he can be grieved. Much we find out about. We find out that uh, he who now liveth will let. That's talking about the Holy Ghost. So, or as time goes on, we find out more and more and more as we progress. Well, that's what the law of further mention means. That's, the more mentions you study, uh, the more you'll find out about it. All right, got to hurry. Uh, the Word of God is a progression, so as we study, it will bring added details and clarity to the truths that God has revealed. Now, this is especially true as we study prophecy. No portion of prophecy can be understood entirely by viewing alone. Now, considering all the prophecies as a whole, I told you that a minute ago. All right, so let's talk about when we've got, give me 20 minutes, and I'll try to be done. all right? You didn't start at 10 after 6, so give me a little bit of slack, okay? <laughs> now, listen, uh, let's talk about the birth of Christ, okay? Now, you and I look back at Calvary. It's a good place to start. We look back at it. So, we, there's a lot we know about the birth of Christ. But let's look at tonight, if we can, from the prophet's standpoint. So if we're going to look at prophecy concerning the birth of Christ, we've got to find out where the first time was prophesied he was caught That's in Genesis chapter 3. Alright? Turn over. Genesis chapter 3, verse number 15. Now Adam and Eve sinned. God's made them coats of skins. We talked about that this morning. And in Genesis three fifteen, Genesis chapter 3, and verse number 15. Well, Let's begin reading verse 14. Genesis 3, 14. Uh, God's getting ready to execute the curse upon man, upon woman, upon the earth, upon Satan. Imagine the Lord God said to the serpent, I'm talking about Satan, because thou done this, thou art cursed above all cattle and above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. Verse 15, first prophecy concerning Christ from the Bible. I put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed watch this and her seed Adam and Eve have no children alright mm-hmm. seeing just as they're in the world God said I put enmity between thy seed and her seed watch this Yet, talking about her seed shall bruise thy head thou shalt bruise his head first prophecy concerning Christ now you say preacher you and we know that's talking about Christ. Well, I understand that. But imagine being Adam and Eve. Can you imagine when Eve conceived and buried that first son, heard Adam and he saying, is this him? Is this the seed? Right? Are you with me? Imagine. Very little detail. The only thing we really know from that, it'll be the seed of the woman. Right? Now there's some significance to that that we look back at and see. We knew he'd be born of Eve. Is that right? and that it'd be a he. The Bible said, He shall bruise thy head. Is that right? What mm-hmm. it would be a That's really it. Adam, the Bible said, called the woman Eve because she was the mother of all women. So if we didn't know, we didn't know our Bibles tonight, we could say it's going to be a man that he comes from the comes from the lineage of Eve. Well, that could be any man in this world. That right, right. Mm-hmm. not just tonight, but any man that's ever been born. Yeah. Right. He's the mother of all of men. Right? Yep. Pretty vague. Isn't now you and I look back and we know what it is. But see, that's why prophecy cannot be interpreted alone. If you look at that by yourself, well, Chris, I can make a pretty good case. You was the prophecy. In fact, I was the only thing I went off of. That right? Let's let's go forward. So you say, preacher, how does it progress? Well, uh, in Genesis three fifteen, we know that it's a man to be born from the lineage of Eve. Genesis 22, after, after Abraham and Isaac they're on the mount, verse 15, and the angel of the Lord called Abraham out of heaven the second time and said, By myself I have sworn to the Lord, for because thou hast done this thing and hast not withheld thy son, thy only son, that in blessing I will bless thee and in multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is upon the seashore. And thy seed shall possess the gates. Watch this, of his enemies. All right, it's pretty, pretty uh, specific. His enemies. And what do we know in Genesis three fifteen? It be. All right. What's verse eighteen? And in thy seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed, because thou hast obeyed my voice. Oh my, are you with me? You say, preacher, what's that mean? Several centuries passed from the promise of the seed of the woman. We find a man by the name of Abraham. God makes a covenant with Abraham promises that in his seed shall all nations of the earth be blessed. Now, this is a multi-layered prophecy, but we recognize that through the lineage of Abraham comes his promise to the woman. Well, that knocks us out tonight. All right? Unless there's a Jew in the building where God knocks us out. All right? now it comes. Not only is it a man that come from Eve, that's pretty broad. But now it must be a man that comes from the lineage of Abraham. Now don't look at me like you're bored. If you're gonna study process, what you're gonna to have to do? Yeah. You're gonna to have to, this is things we know, but there's a lot, John, in the future. That we're going to have to piece together and find out from. We're going to have to do some detective work and find out where it fits in and what God's saying. That's what studying the prophecy is tonight. Yeah. All right. So we find it comes from the light of Abraham. All right. And let's look at it together. We go, uh, we fast forward a little bit. That's Genesis 22, 15 through 18. Genesis 26, verse 1 through 4. Uh, the Bible said that there was a famine in the land beside the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went into Abimelech, king of the Philistines and the Gerar, And the Lord appeared unto him and said, Go not down to Egypt, dwell in the land which I shall tell thee of. Sojourn in this land, and I will be with thee, uh, and will bless thee, for unto thee and unto thy seed I will give all these countries, and I will perform the oath which swear swaring Abraham thy father. I will make thy seed multiply as the stars in heaven, given of heaven, give unto thy seed all these countries, and in thy seed, listen now, shall all the nation of the earth be blessed. Now, Abraham had two sons, Ishmael and Isaac. But we find that God lended this promise of the promised seed to Isaac. Isn't that right? Not Ishmael. Do you me? In thy seed, Isaac, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. He limits it to Isaac. Genesis 35, verse 10 through 12. Watch what your Bible says. Genesis 35, verse 10 through 12. Stay with me. I'm, I'll hurry. We're getting there. I promise. Verse 10 through 12. Uh, and God said unto him, thy name is Jacob. Thy name shall not be called anymore Jacob, but Israel shall be thy name. And he's called his name Israel. God said to him, verse 11, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply. A nation and a company of nations shall be of thee, and kings, oh my! Listen, to that kings shall come forth out of thy lords. Verse twelve: the Land which I gave Abraham and Isaac to thee, I will give it. And if I sit after thee, will I give the land? So now Isaac has two sons, but we see the promises continue through Jacob. Verse eleven: The Bible added the detail: Kings shall come forth out of thy lords. Oh my! Don't get excited about that now. now we know that uh, was performed. Saul came from the lineage of Jacob. He was uh, of the tribes of Israel. Uh, David, of course, was of the lineage of Jacob. Uh, Solomon, of course, was of the lineage of Jacob. And so on and so forth. Kings did, in fact, come out of his loins. That's wonderful. Uh, God knew before the children of Israel I ever cried out and warned a king that uh, he would send kings. That's wonderful. All the way back in Genesis, uh, God already promised kings. about uh, what really excites me is not David, uh, and it's not Solomon, it's not Saul. Uh, Uh, But I'm glad to report to you, thank God, uh, uh, the promise to the woman to come through the line, uh, come through the line of Judah, uh, through Jacob, uh, through Israel. uh, He would be the king of kings uh, and the Lord of lords. Isn't that right? Uh, And it's prophesied that he'd come through Jacob, uh, who God changed to Israel. Oh, my, what a blessing. Kings come forth out of our Lord. Watch this. So we see it comes through Abraham. It comes through Isaac. It comes through Jacob. Then notice with me if you would. Uh, in uh Genesis 49, if you will. Genesis 49 and verse 8. Genesis 49. Stay with me. I'm, I'm getting there. I promise. I really am. If you'll bear with me, I know, I know why I, I, I'm a hurry. Genesis 49 and verse number 8. Here in Genesis 49, Jacob is prophesying. He gives uh, a prophecy as well as a blessing to all 12 of his sons. Wonderful study. We need to look at it sometime. It's beautiful. Uh, all 12 of sons. He prophesies and gives a blessing uh, uh, concerning each one. But I'm interested uh, in just one. If one that's, uh, uh, as you study through, you'll find out it's set apart above all the rest. Uh, There'd be no question about that when we get done. Verse number 8, the Bible said, Judah, thou art he whom thy brethren shall praise. What about that? For all 12, Sons. He's a all twelve. Judah, you're the one everybody else is going to praise. Uh, somehow or you're going to be set up above all the rest of them. Uh, There's something different about you. Uh, the rest of the 11 is going to praise you. Watch this. Uh, uh, and thy hand shall be in the neck of thy enemies. Thy father's children shall bow down before thee. What about that? Judah is a lion's will. From the prey, my son, thou art gone up. He stood down. He couched as a lion. And as an old man who shall rouse him up. Oh my, I, I ought to preach that about 30 minutes, but I don't have time. Notice verse 10. The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver. Oh my, oh God hit me. Up from between his feet, and tell Shiloh come. Unto him shall the cattle of the people be. Binding his fold under the vine, and his ass his coat under the choice vine. He washed his garments in wine. Oh my God and his clothes in the blood of the grapes. Oh my, I've got to quit. His hands shall be red with wine, and his teeth white with milk. I don't have time to deal with all of them, though I'd love to tonight. But we find out that all the rest of the brethren will pound down from Judah. Judah. We find out that they'll praise Judah. Judah's blessing is far above that of his brethren. Watch what the Bible said. Judah's alliance went, verse 9. Uh, and from the pre my son there going up, he stooped down. That's sound familiar. He stooped. Uh, he stooped. Uh, that means he came down. Oh my. Uh, he stooped down and couched his life as an old, old line. As a old lion, who shall rouse him up? The scepter. That means the authority shall not depart from Judah. Nor a lawgiver, oh my. Uh, from putting his feet. I gotta hurry. Look with me, verse eleven. Binding his fold of the vine, his ass covered with the choice of mine. He washed his garments in wine. Every time you find wine in Scripture, it carries the idea of joy. But it also carries the idea of judgment. You say, Preacher, that's two opposite things. Oh my, you know I've got joy tonight? Because he took my judgment. Isn't that right? Oh my. And the Bible said he washed his garments in wine. And his clothes and the blood of the greats. Oh, my, I don't have time for that, but I'll I suffice to say this. Uh, uh, here in Genesis 49, uh, I, I got a hurry. Judah has 12 signs. And again, the promise is limited at this time to Judah. We know that to be true. Is that the line, It's the line of the tribe of Judah. I, I don't have time. I won't so bad to preach all that, but I promise you, if you'll let me, I'll come back one of these Wednesday nights. So we'll look in, all right? Uh, but I've got to hurry. Uh then notice them if you would, 2 Samuel. 2 Samuel chapter 7. 2 Samuel chapter 7 tonight. Uh, wonderful, wonderful chapter. The Davidic covenant, God's covenant with David. 2 Samuel chapter 7 and verse number uh, 12. 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse number 12. Now I'm skipping a lot. You'll have to go back and read some of this to get a full understanding. But verse number 12, the Bible said. And when thy days be fulfilled, thou shalt sleep with thy fathers. That's talking about David. God's telling David, one of these days you're going to die. Is that right? Greatest king Israel ever seen. God said, one of these days you're going to die. Thou shalt sleep with thy fathers. I'll set up thy seed after thee. There's that seed again. Which shall proceed out of thy bowels. I will establish his kingdom. Now you say, preacher, that's talking about Solomon. Well, in a physical sense, you're right. Solomon did rise up after David, and God established his kingdom. But what verse 13 said? He shall build a house for my name. Well, Solomon did that. But the Lord did too. Spiritually speaking. I established the throne of his kingdom for it. Well, that's not Solomon. Is that right? Yeah, right? Yeah. Solomon's kingdom didn't last for you say, preacher, what do you say? It's going to be a single woman. It's going to be a man. Of it's going to come through the line of Abraham. That's going to be narrowed down to Isaac. That's going to be narrowed down to Jacob, Israel. Yeah. That's going to be narrowed down to Judah. Is that right? just keeps getting smaller and smaller and smaller. And then all that, Nancy, he's got to come from the city of David. Is that All right. Yeah. got to be, damn has to be his ancestor. Is that right? God said when you sleep with your fathers there's coming a seed after you oh my who'll sit on your throne and there'll be no end to his kingdom. Yeah. There'll be no end of his kingdom. Yeah. He'll rule and reign forever. All yeah. of that. It'll be it, All right. This will further mention. So we've narrowed it down quite a bit. Now you say Christians it getting better than that? Absolutely not watch this, um, Judah becomes a great tribe, numbering thousands of people, but here we find the Davidic covenant, the promise of the limited. kids not only come from the tribe of Judah, but from the family of David, he'll sit on the throne of David forever, can I just break in and give you a little something quickly Luke 1, 31 through 33 you don't have to turn with me. here's what the Bible said, behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus verse 32 he shall be great. Well, we'd we right there for a while, couldn't we? And shall be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him what is this, the throne of his father David. He shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. That shows the continuation of the prophecy, too. Says on the throne of David, his father, he's the descendant of David. He'll rule over the house of Israel. Remember what? Remember what Jacob said when he blessed Judah. He said that all thy brethren shall bow down to thee. That happened one of these days when every knee bow, every tongue confess that he is Lord. He born a line of David, just like he prophesied that he would be. Well, he's not yet set up on the throne of David, but rest assured, the day is coming when he will. Micah five two. If you let me go quickly, I'll hurry. You. Micah five two. You don't have to turn. Here's what the Bible said. But thou Bethlehem Ephraim, Though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me that is to be ruler in Israel, whose going forth have been of old from everlasting. That's not talking about David. That right? Whose going forth have been of old from everlasting. Not only was it prophesied that he'd be born in the family of David, but that's had prophesied he'd be born in Bethlehem. Yeah. Is that right? Right. God he'd be prophesied he'd be let me tell you what I said we find not only to be born in the family of David but then he'd be born in the little town of Bethlehem the Bible said uh, out there in Micah 5 two. but thou Bethlehem hath though thou be little among the thousands of Judah get out of these shall they come forth unto me there shall be Israel. as going forth men of old from everlasting just a nothing little town nobody would have ever considered thank God he's prophesied he'd be born in Bethlehem yeah. So let's recap real quick. Now, watch this. See if woman be to come back up for me. i be a man. Alright? Come, yeah. come through Abraham, come through Isaac, come through Jacob, come through Judah, come through David's house, and you'll be born in Bethany. Well, wait, there it comes. is. All that right? There's a lot more we can look at. There's a lot concerning the first coming of the Lord. But let me show you the one that really excites me. Isaiah seven fourteen. 14, the prophecy concerning him from that prophecy. Listen to this. Therefore, the Lord himself shall give you a cycle. Behold, a virgin shall conceive bear a son, shall call his name Emmanuel. That word Emmanuel literally means God. Though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, first thousands, Bethlehem still, that's a pretty good town. You consider everybody's a ever big, and when you put all that together, you've tripped it down a lot more than just being a descendant of Eve, but that's still a pretty good size number Some question base. He's going to be a me, all right. We have Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Judah, House David, born of a virgin. There's only one individual that meets all those criteria. All right. Now you you may be thinking, preacher, wouldn't it have been sufficient? Wouldn't it have been sufficient just to say he'd be born of virgin? We all knew that's the Lord. Let me show you this. Every, every age, every generation got a little bit more information. A little bit more information. A little bit more information. You better believe when Jesus come on the scene in the Gospels, you better believe them Hebrews, them Jews, knew there was a promised seed of a woman. Is that right? And you better believe they knew he'd be born in Bethlehem right? Huh? yeah. You better believe, everything we've read. You better believe they knew their Old Testament, they knew their Bible, they knew everything we just looked at, and they missed it. Right, Tara. That goes on. The whole receiving law—that's a whole different message. Why they didn't receive it, but they missed it because it didn't look like they thought he looked, and act like they thought he acted, and do what they thought he do. But I want you to see tonight, God, the way God orchestrated. There can be no doubt he's the one. Is mm-hmm. that right? right. Yeah. Now, listen, Tracy could stand up tonight and say, he'd be wrong, we know he's wrong, but he could stand up tonight and say, listen, I was going to let y'all know I was born and to emerged my mother never owned a man. I, I'm him. I'm him. that right? Mm-hmm. But the problem is this. Meet Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and uh, uh, Judah? Does he meet the lineage of David? Does he meet the important man? it nurse a for it can only be one. Thank God I'm glad I know him. You? Right, yeah. My, my, my. That's prophecy tonight. I don't, I use that word, Judas did that to make it sound more, more expressive than it is. If you want to rightly divide it, it's putting a puzzle together. Is that right? Yeah. It is. Putting a puzzle together. It's saying, seed of a woman. All right. Then it's saying, seed of Abraham, seed of Isaac, seed of Jacob, seed of Judah, house of David, born of a virgin, born in Bethlehem. Then when you put all that together, got a beautiful picture of a little baby born in Bethlehem, wrapped in swaddling clothes, laid in a manger, lived sinless 33 and a half years. And then you and I look back and realize, knowing who he is. Nancy, we see something the Jews didn't say. We see that he came not to set up his kingdom then, but he came come to redeem The Bible said over the Davidic that that seed of David had built the Lord a house. And Solomon did, he built the temple. But I'm glad, to thank God the Lord built one too. Yeah. But it was not a house made with hands. He built a body, isn't that right? A bride. He came to redeem a bride. Oh my, thank God, that excites me. That, that the Jews didn't see that, but you and I can look back and see how that it was prophesied all the way back when man sinned in the garden. It was prophesied. It happened just like he said it was. Yeah. He died, you and I. Before he set up his kingdom, he died so that we could be saved. is that beautiful? It's a progression. It's a building. The law of further nations, Now, not every prophecy will be just like that. Let me say this prophecy is a building. It is putting it in order, putting it where it needs to be. Uh, You cannot, we'll talk more about it later. Next, in more detail, and then hopefully after that, we'll start digging in. All right, I hope I didn't lose you.